Why, something still showing? Materializing. Go get your clothes off. Why, Professor, I'm ashamed of you. Get me a nurse, get me a doctor, get me something. George, we better get the professor. What for? To cheer up a lot of bedclothes? Come clean about how this machine works. Make me invisible. I did not invent that machine to make killers like you invisible. Oh, this is gonna be good. Noisiest grasshoppers I ever heard. <laughs> yeah, Christopher Columbus, we're being shot at. Welcome to episode 76 of The Bloody Pit. I am Rod Barnett. I am Troy Gwynn. And I once again start here this evening with uh, me sounding like I'm trying to imitate William Shatner. But (laughs) what else am I supposed to do? I can't stop now. I've been doing it for years. If you're going to imitate, imitate the best. (laughs) (laughs) He ain't like all the rest. That's right. That's right. Uh, Folks, tonight we return, Troy and myself, to the land of 1940s. Universal horror films, although uh, that's a debatable tag with mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. Uh, with this particular film that we're talking about tonight. Yeah, it's it's not exactly going to give you nightmares. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but this will be the final uh, film in this series that's actually been released in 1940. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll so we got, actually we got year one. I know, I know. It took us a year, <laughs> yeah. and we worked our way through 1940. Yes, people, that's right. Next year, mm-hmm. 1941. So mm, just yeah. hang on to your ass. <laughs> oh my God. So yes, uh, tonight we are going to talk about 1940s film, the third in the. Invisible Man series done by Universal Studios. This one called, hold on to your hats, Mm -hmm. Invisible Woman. Mm -hmm. That's right. They decided that they needed to get clever with the naming and they do a gender flip. So, yeah, your mileage and your enjoyment is going to vary considerably. And I think that that's going to be a topic of conversation when when we discuss this film this evening. Because... I thought, uh, well, let's just say that what I thought was going to be the general consensus on this film uh, turns out to not quite be so. So, anyway, folks, we will uh, we'll dive into that in just a few minutes. But I did want to touch on one subject this uh, end of year period here as we're getting mm-hmm. a few new release films out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could sit here and talk about uh, 
the whys and wherefores of the the latest Halloween sequel. But you know, then we get into a discussion of you, know, you can talk about it because I, I haven't seen, seen it. it right, right, right. But, I, but I, one thing that we both can talk about because you wrangled me and several other people into going and seeing it yes. one evening all together is we saw the remake of Suspiria. We did, we did. Now I don't think it's any big secret if any if you've ever listened to Troy and I talk on these podcasts, either here or on the Nashi Cast. Uh, we're both uh, you're a horror fan, horror fans. Uh, we're both mm-hmm. a major Dario Argento fans, mm-hmm. and um, I think. I think it would be fun for us to go through a listing of uh, Dario Argento films and try to decide which ones are great, which ones are good, and which yeah. ones are rolling piles of dung. <laughs> that could be fun. I know that there's probably not many, but I think there may still be a couple I have not seen. I know you've pretty much seen them all, I think. I don't think I, there's there anything you've be. missed. I think I've got one or... I haven't got many I haven't seen, but there's a couple that I've still not... Well, I've still never seen Five Days in Milan, because that's, the, seen that. that's yeah. the, the, the non-horror film he made, but... Right after the three animals films, his first, okay. his first three films, and right before he made Deep Red, uh-huh. and I've still never seen that uh, because that's kind of the 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 odd duck out. That's not really a thriller or, mm-hmm. or or a supernatural film or anything of that nature, and uh, so I still have never seen that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I don't think there. I, I don't think I've missed any. I've suffered through. I mean, uh, <laughs> now yeah, I, I've seen them all. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. so. Um, I believe with me, uh, I, I don't. Now, there's probably a couple that really I'd almost feel like I would need to see again before I could really comment on, you know, on them yeah. because it's been so many years. But I think the only ones that I haven't seen is I have not uh, seen the uh, his Phantom of the Opera, which uh, I've, uh, you know, d- I'm I, I, I just I, I hate it I, just because I've not been real. I've not been real encouraged to seek it out, but I know I want to at one point just for completest purposes. Uh, and then I've not seen Giallo. I've not seen those, so I think. Oh that the, well. Okay, and I've heard that's know. a real adventure too. So. Uh, well, here's the thing. In the past couple of years, I mean, we're now we're now to the point where Argento's Phantom of the Opera is, I think, mm-hmm. 20 years old this year. Mm-hmm. And so there's a part of me I haven't watched it since the mm-hmm. late 90s. Mm-hmm. There's a part of me now. I was I, I really hated it. Mm-hmm. Most people did. <laughs> And now there's a part of me who kind of wants to go back and rewatch it and uh-huh. see if you know age has added anything mm-hmm. to it because there's always that. That problem that you run into as a as a genre fan, or even just a fan of anything, really, where you, you get to that point where, in the white hot, you know, lust for the brand new thing from someone who you greatly admire, mm. you have a tendency to to look down on it and be really, really, I, I guess, vicious in your assessment. And I think, I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I don't think I'm going to go back and and, and discover an, yeah. a, a, a a true gem that I mm, that I overlooked right. and I I just I don't know what was wrong with me, uh, but I do think that it, it is ripe for a reassessment and um, <clears throat> I think I'm going to have to do that. So mm, yeah, yeah, I, I, I know I'll have to see it at some point. Just Giallo that. was garbage though. <laughs> Giallo, that is the that is the consensus. Seems to be the consensus. Yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, I can find things to enjoy in. Um, Sleepless, I enjoyed Sleepless yeah, a fair amount, yeah. uh, and um, especially the score. Mm-hmm. But also, I think some of the, I think, I think the film itself is pretty good. Um, I've, I'm, now, I'm now hearing people defending the card player, and my, I, I've seen the card player back mm-hmm. when it came out on DVD, mm-hmm. and thought that it was a, you know, a a towering pile of garbage. Uh, well, yeah, I was not that hard on it. I was not crazy about it, but I didn't hate it. You know? No, no. Uh, his, oh God, his his Dracula from a couple oh, years well. ago is. <laughs> That's just a mind-boggling, just, oh, you know, God. talk about mailing it in, man. That was like... I don't even know if he was mailing... This is... Man, you... Oh, it's just so many bad ideas I in the know. movie. And it's, it's, anyway, let's... Yeah, let's yes. but anyway, 
regardless of what we would say about his 21st century output, I think both of us agree that uh, Suspiria is one of his greatest films. Yes, it is. It's one of the great horror films ever. Yep. I dearly love it. I know that you do. So we were both, um, I I don't know about you, uh, we didn't really discuss before we went into the theater or even sat down that evening. Uh, I don't think you and I discussed at length kind of what we, you know, what our attitude was toward this remake other than just, you know, obvious cinematic curiosity. Well, my... My my expectations had were fairly good. I mean, it's I think you know we both share the the healthy film fans uh, or the film fans healthy uh, no film fan is healthy. We we share the <laughs> film fans healthy skepticism of remakes, of course. So yeah. You know, so when I heard that Suspiria was being remade, I think we all probably rolled our eyes and like, oh Jesus, are you kidding me? You know. But I'd have to admit, by the time I had seen the trailer. I was starting to... Yeah. The trailer impressed me, and of course it's easy to do that with a trailer, but it actually... I was not really even considering going to see it until I saw that. And so when I kind of rounded everybody up and said, hey, let's check this out, uh, you know, it was, I was actually kind of thinking, you know, this this might be this might be all right. And I know there would be... The response has been very mixed across the you know across the board. Oh yeah, uh, but uh, but yeah, going into it, I mean, my expectations were were a little higher than I would have originally thought that they would be. I mean, just the fact that I was even going to see it at all, I would I really didn't think I was going to be doing that. Well, but. I had um, I, I you know you you know me I I I, mm. I try really really hard. I and I find it actually I don't have to try that hard, but I try hard to give films. In the horror genre, the benefit of the doubt because yeah. we've seen good remakes. Of, we've, we've, yeah. we've we can all name, been, we can yeah. all name really good remakes. Yeah. Right? I mean, there have been good remakes. Don't get me wrong. There's also been absolutely <laughs> yeah. horrible ones. Horrible yeah. ones. <laughs> yeah. But um, I gotta say, I was surprised. Were there five of us there that night? Me, you, Beth, Hudson, Ryan, and Jeff. Six. Ryan and Jeff. So there were six of us there that night. Yeah. And. I have not seen this happen in a very long time. In fact, we, let's just say it right now, we were the only six there. Yeah, we, <laughs> we were the only the, ones in the entire theater. We had the entire theater, theater yeah. to ourselves, yeah. Which, which was a pleasure all but by that itself. That in itself is, is yes. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was nothing. I felt like some mogul who had like rented out a, you know, rented out his private, <laughs> private you know, theater for a private screening there. <laughs> well, I mean, it was a 10.30 screening on a yeah, Friday night yeah, right. of a film that, you know, there's God knows that, you know, that no one under the age of 20 has the slightest fucking clue what right. this thing is. So. Right. But... Uh, so we sat we, we sat there all the way through the credits, which isn't that odd in this day and age, but um, we all just continued to sit there when the credits ended, mm. and it was just this silence. Yeah. And I was trying to think, man, you know, I should say something. And it was Hudson who piped up with, "Now that's how you how you do a remake, <laughs> or, absolutely, or, yeah, or something like that. Now that's how you mm-hmm. that's how you remake a movie or something like that. Yes, yes, exactly. I think that's it. We were all kind of just processing. I think, yeah, what we've seen and just like kind of enjoying the not wanting it to end. You know, it's it's uh, it was it was uh, it was kind of amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I have to admit that. Uh, uh, I'm seeing. I mean, I'm looking forward to watching it again. You know, yeah, it's, 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 to, to try to, to just say there's so much to process to, there. Just to, I know, you know there's so much dense packed into that movie. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I know the runtime is two and a half hours long. Two and a, it's two and a half hours long. I, mm. I I only occasionally felt the length, and the reason I felt the length was not because I felt that there were lulls in the film where I was not interested, but there were just points where you realize, oh my God, we've covered so much yeah. territory. So many ideas yeah. are yeah. in here. So we all stumbled out there just really impressed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, I've been reading a fair number. You know, you're right about the, the critical. I, to be honest, I expected there to be. Of course, naturally. I, I expected, you know, there, there were people who were primed to hate this no matter mm-hmm. what its qualities or lack thereof. Yeah. and. There's you know, no shock there. I, I will, you know, if, you, if you've seen the film and you despise it, hey, 
Okay, mm. cool. Yeah. Whatever. If you're giving it a shot and you're, yeah, yeah, if you're giving yeah, it a chance, yeah. I'd love to, you know, I'd love to discuss it with these people. And I've seen some uh, rather vicious takedowns of it, mm. uh, making some points that I, you know, some points that I can see some validity in, mm. some points that I think are really, really thinly drawn. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, once again, it's it's a piece it's a piece of art. So it's one yeah. of those things where yeah. you're going to react to it differently yeah. than I of am. Course, and that's yeah. fine. But I did not expect all of us to just <laughs> sit there stunned and just go, my God, that was amazing. Yeah. And, and I would say, I said then, I, I mean, I really think that there are some sequences in this film that are as astonishing as anything in Argento, you know, a totally yeah. different kind of thing. You know, what's great is Very that they don't different. try it all. They don't try it all to recreate any of the kind of look or style of Argento. I think they yeah. recognize right off the bat, that's its thing. Nobody's going to touch that. We're going to do our thing. And but I do believe that there's there's some sequences in there that I think are every bit as powerful and is and is and is technically astonishing as anything that Argento I agree. did. I um, agree. Yeah. So there, having started off this episode uh, in the modern world with a mm-hmm. with a with a mm-hmm. remake of a classic film, throwing out our own, um, mm-hmm. I'm sure you know controversial mm-hmm. opinions about it. <sighs> yeah. We'll now segue yeah. into talking about a film from 1940 called yeah. Invisible Woman, but. Mm-hmm. That isn't quite as intense or harrowing as, no, as the no, Suspiria. Uh, I, w- I would actually point out that I don't think there are any deaths in Invisible Woman. <laughs> no. I think they, 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 pedal, they pedal the violence pretty softly in this film. <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, for various reasons, and I think we'll uh, we'll discuss that at length. But um, just like to remind everyone that uh, if, you're enjoy- if you enjoy listening to Troy and I, and mm-hmm. at least me and everybody else that I babble to on this podcast, thank you very much. Uh, remember, you can write to us and let us know your thoughts on either the remake of Suspiria or 1940s Universal mm-hmm. Horror Films or Coffin Joe movies or whatever the hell Or the remake of Halloween, about. which, as I said, Rod, I know, can yeah. offer an opinion. I've not seen it yet. I want to, but I've not seen it, so... Uh, but, Mind pressing. I think you enjoyed it, but you you felt there were some places where it could have maybe done even better. But you, okay, I think you the, liked it, though, right? The, the, the new Halloween film uh, is perfectly enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed it about as much as I enjoyed H two O. Okay, which of course this movie completely negates. This, oh, sure, right. This, yeah. this negates Halloween two uh-huh. and H two O, and so we have this. I still think the most amusing thing. Let me say, I and it negates all the other Godzilla movies except the first one. <laughs> yes, it negates every Godzilla film too. Holy God, how they managed that! How did they reboot this thing? How did they? It was just a toy Godzilla. Too. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the 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 one thing that I will say is that um, I'm torn between being really really amused and happy that uh, there's so many so many different timelines. If you want to watch Halloween movies, <laughs> I mean, there's there's you know. Just the first film, mm. or just the first two films, mm. and then you know you, you, you season of the witch is its own little beast. So it doesn't. Sure, it's, right, it's like it's like that. You know, it's it's like it's Pluto orbiting out there somewhere <laughs> yeah, else. Right. And then there's four, five, and six, or as I mm. like to call them, the triple zip mistakes. I mean, they're just. <laughs> I, I've, I've yes. never I've never understood the affection for four, five, and six. I mm. I, I just never have. Mm. Um, and of course, you know, by the time they made the sixth one, then I don't think anybody else had any affection for them anymore either. No. Which is why they just went, okay, just fuck all this. I don't yeah. know. Right. There's, there's no, there's no way to actually write yeah. anything that's going to f- f- come up with this. So, mm-hmm. you know, I thought H two O twenty years ago was a pretty interesting follow up to the first two films. I don't mm-hmm. think anything was great, but mm-hmm. it, was, it was far from embarrassing, which is mm-hmm. what I felt four, five, and six mm-hmm. were. Um, but then they follow it with a sequel, Halloween Resurrection, which. Mm-hmm is even more embarrassing than four, five, and six. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the only good thing you see about Halloween Resurrection is at least it presaged the whole um, 
uh, the whole thing of reality television. Mm. It was it was it was it was kind of prescient about yeah. that. Yeah. That's really the only good thing I could say about that movie. But you're right, H two O kind of got like suddenly, oh, we're we're everybody kind of embraced. Oh, we kind of missed this guy. Yeah. We're interested in this again, and then they just sort of killed the interest totally with the next yeah, film. Yeah. And, just, and, they, and they shot they shot it so badly in the mm. face that, yeah. <laughs> that, that the only way they could figure to do anything was to to turn Halloween over to Rob Zombie, a yeah. man completely so, oh, wow. completely yeah. unequipped to no, handle something was, like yeah, Halloween. No God. But I think I, I, I think I probably cut you off. What you I think you're at the point of saying that if you enjoy hearing us all talk about this, oh yeah, get in touch with us. Please, yeah, please, please, get, please get in touch with us, and I'll stop pontificating. Uh, please get in touch with us. Uh, the email is thebloodypit at gmail and there is a, a bloody pit pod. I'm sorry, a bloody pit uh, Facebook page as well. <clears throat> I that is Rod has I, I have well. <laughs> I'm even reluctant to put it this way, but I have reluctantly joined Twitter because I saw this. I was yeah, saying. yeah. I'm not really sure. Hell is frozen over. Yeah, well, it's not. It's not that I was ever anti-Twitter. It was just a question of do I really want to cede any, even more of my free time to something that I don't uh, the, give a fuck about? And that's kind of been my aversion of it too. But I mean, I hear I'm, I'm told, you know, obviously doing music and being in bands, and all they say like it's one of the things yeah. you've got to have as a Twitter uh, and. Uh, you know, and it's, so that would be the motivation and probably a good one. It's probably something I should have, but I've yet to yet to pull that trigger yet. But yeah, uh, on yeah. it, but uh, but I kind of, but a lot of it was that too. Is like God, I don't want to have one more thing that you have to platform check. the social media platform that I've yeah. got to try and pay attention to. It's, <laughs> but I'm with you. I'm with you. But I am on Twitter now. God save me mm-hmm. if you're interested. I don't know why you are, but that's. I don't know. I'm old now. Mm-hmm. I think I think I'm officially old. I've had to schedule a colonoscopy. So come on, people. <laughs> you know I'm old. I, I'm not screaming at clouds or, or yeah. you know, scream, screaming at kids to get off my fucking lawn. But mm-hmm. it's just because I don't have one because I hate mowing yards. <laughs> Nevertheless, give us give us a few minutes, and uh, we'll come back and we will discuss invisible, invisible woman. woman. spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here are your hosts, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher. Or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the Head of Rondo Hatton. Only on Monster Kid Radio. All right, fellas, here's your story. Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Wait, Captain. I have found evidence of intelligent beings on this planet. Look to the skies. It's the B-Movie Cookbook. Menus inspired by 15 of your favorite B-movies from the 1950s. With teenage werewolves, blobs, and enough cheese for everyone. 
When we return to our planet, the High Court may well sentence you to torture. But until then, we've got Ed Wood and Vincent Price. There'll be food and drink and ghosts, and perhaps even a few murders. You're all invited. So impress your friends with dinner and a movie with the B-Movie Cookbook. We've got you covered. Get your copy today at bmoviecookbook.com. That's bmoviecookbook.com. Let me see that book. I am interested to see what sways your mind so heavily. Sure thing. Just visit bmoviecookbook.com. Invisible Woman, released on December the 27th, 1940. So in under the wire. Just into two days after Christmas, yep. Yep, yep. It was a little Christmas gift for the world. Let's see if it was coal or candy. (laughs) We will find out. It's a 70-minute long film. And uh, I'll tell you what we're going to do. I've got a lot to say about this movie. Uh, And um, let's just say that The Invisible Man Returns, the film made right before this, Mm -hmm. uh, was, was, was quite successful. And so Universal decided, hey, you know, we'll go ahead and make mm-hmm. another in this series. But they appear to have uh, decided that, um, I guess, I don't know. I would love to know what what was going through their minds. It's like, oh, well, we can't do another serious film. That would be crazy talk. Well, yeah, I mean, you can, okay, well, first of all, you can see right off the bat how easy it was to sell the only idea of just saying, hey, we want the next Invisible Man film to be about a woman. Okay. They might have given a blank stare at first until they think about it, like, wait a minute, if she's invisible, it means she's nude. Hey, so yeah. you got 40s version of titillation, you know, of like yeah. instant titillation. Now, the comedy aspect of it, uh, you know, that's a little bit harder to figure. Um, yeah. You know, is is uh, is is, and I don't, I don't why, mind. Why, why, why change genres? Yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't mind changing the, uh, like the basic, like a lot of, you know, trying something different in the terms of. You know, you've had the first film, which is the standard, you know, mad scientist driven crazy or scientist is driven mad by his experiment. You know, the second one is basically a murder mystery or, or you know, the guy trying to clear his name, using right. invisibility to clear his name. So once again, I don't I don't mind them. I appreciate the fact that they're trying to go off in a different direction. But but yeah, choosing to do a comedy 
is uh is it was was it it was kind of an odd odd choice there I yeah, think you know? yeah it's 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 a choice jumping from serious film to comedy mm-hmm. in the same series it, it's not a it's not necessarily a deal breaker but it is something where I feel you've really got to work hard to justify it mm-hmm. and I gotta say this film is a little too silly. A lot of the time... Well, it's not just that they're trying to do a comedy. I think they're really trying to catch that screwball comedy uh, yeah. kind of feel. And doesn't really quite work that way. I mean, it doesn't... It, 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 I think it misses more than it hits, you know, yeah. when it, with that, that kind of feel. Um, it That kind of depends on uh, not only, obviously, a lot of silly, contrived situations, but also scatter, you know, rapid-fire dialogue, which a lot of this film has, but it's got to be sharp, and, and it isn't... It is sharp enough very in sharp, places. Yeah. Um, there's, there's some. There, now there are some points. I will, I will say, uh, there are some, there are some sections of this film where the dialogue is pretty fun. It is. Oh yeah, it's got its chuckles. Yeah. I mean, it's got its moments in there. But, but it's, it's, I, it, it was a hard hurdle for me the first mm-hmm. time I saw this movie years ago. I, I've got to tell you, this is only the second time I've really gone through this film. Mm-hmm. And um, I now I now remember why. As soon as I was like fifteen minutes into this, I remembered why mm-hmm. because it's 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 silliness is kind of you know cranked up to not necessarily ten, but you know it's around the seven or eight mm-hmm. range for a long stretch. And I mean, the film starts off with uh, Charles mm-hmm. Ruggles, uh, a character actor I, I'm always amused by, but with him you know falling down a staircase. Okay, well here here let's get off right the bat with one of the problems I have with the film is I feel the first of all I think when it comes to humor I think the Verbal humor works more in the film even than the physical does. The physical humor yeah. I really have a, a lot of problems with. Um, I feel most of it feels very forced, you know. I mean, Agreed. and I love physical humor. I love a good pratfall as much as everybody. But there's a lot of them in this film, and they all to me just it's maybe the way they're filmed, the way they're edited. They just feel flat to me. Most of the pratfalls, and you know, it just it just it, they just don't they seem out of place. They don't, you know, they don't make they didn't make me laugh. Or you know, I mean, that's the basic failing of them. So. <clears throat> I'm trying to I'm trying to give this film as much credit and leeway as I can sure, because this yeah. is a film this is a film from 1940. Yeah, right. And there's a, a part of me that knows that part of the reason why this film isn't very funny to me mm. <clears throat> is because I've seen a whole lot of other movies, mm. okay? Mm-hmm. Uh and I'm not gonna. Try, I'm not gonna try to, to to mentally situate myself as someone who's seen this in the early '40s, and kind of try to enjoy it that way because I can't. Mm-hmm. I can do that with a horror film, but it's very different with humor because humor e- either you're amused mm-hmm. by a joke or you're not. Either you find yeah, it funny course, sure, or you yeah. don't. Yeah, and it's a very personal thing. You know, yeah. what you, I wonder if this film. Uh, we may have to may want to take a look at this because I, I feel like kind of kicking myself that I should have tried to put it in context of what other spooky comedies had come and gone at that point. Oh, Obviously, well, we had. I, I didn't know if it how close it was to the Bob Hope Paulette Goddard. Well, like you know, hold that ghost and yeah, and, and yeah, and the Cat and the Canary, and, and you know, because of you know, sitting there thinking and the ghost breakers, or whatever that you know, because I'm thinking that could have possibly had an influence on why they chose to go this this way with this film. Well, Ghostbreakers was the same year, earlier in nineteen. Okay, we'll see right there. Then we may be we may be onto something there. And the uh, horror comedy version, well, the comedy version of Cat and the Canary came out in nineteen thirty nine. Okay, so okay. So what you're talking about there is uh, maybe because I think those films were pretty successful. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah, I think they're pretty big hits. And so there we may have possibly said, hey, let's cap- let's try and capture that Bob Hope Paulette Goddard thing. It's like, but unfortunately, 
<laughs> it's hard to recreate that kind of chemistry and, and really nail you know especially uh, especially within the context of a se- you know of a series that's that, already kind of established itself yeah, as a yeah, series yeah. yeah right yeah and it's I, I i don't i don't know it's just it's 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 rather odd and like i say i can find like i've seen ghostbreakers and i think it's a pretty funny movie it is fine i enjoy those films and I'm not the I'm not the biggest fan of Bob Hope's films, mm-hmm. but no, me either. Certain ones I really yeah, certain like. Certain ones yeah. are are, mm-hmm. are are good, and some of them are the kind of thing where I can see that it's supposed to be funny. Mm-hmm. I yeah. can I can see the diagram on the mm-hmm. paper where you know it's supposed mm-hmm. to equal funny, but the math doesn't work for me. So I wanted to, I wanted to open up this before we start going through the plot the the plot of the film and kind of discussing it step by step. I wanted to point out that. I don't find this movie to be very funny. Mm-hmm. And that is something you need to know mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> listening to this. Because if you are amused by this film, more power to you. Sure. I'm not. You know, humor, comedy, it's the most difficult genre to try to recommend to someone else. It's the most mm-hmm. difficult genre to attempt to uh, mm-hmm. find you know find a matching pair. Mm-hmm. There, there are... Um, Many, many uh, a grouping of people who are going to have half the half the people laughing their ass off at the Three Stooges, and half mm-hmm. of the half of the group mm-hmm. uh, wondering just what the hell is wrong with the other half. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, that's yeah. that's the way it is. Yeah. Humor yeah. is so individual. What you think is funny is very, very, very much a part of you, mm-hmm. and you can't control it. If you don't right. think it's funny, it ain't funny. Right. Yeah. Even 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 sometimes when I can see that something is clever, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily find it funny. Mm-hmm. Now. As I said, as I've stated already, there are still moments in this movie that I found funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple. There are actually a couple of lines of dialogue that had me laugh out loud. Yeah, yeah. There are some good. Yeah, but a lot in, of actors I like in this movie. A, you know, a lot like of actors. A lot yeah. of actors I like in this movie. Oh mm-hmm. hell yeah! But um, in a seventy minute movie, for me to have only laughed out loud, you know, three or four times, yeah. <laughs> you know that <laughs> clearly mm-hmm. didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. But hold on to your hats. There are still things in the movie. That I enjoyed and that did work for mm. me, so it's kind okay. of a yeah. kind of a back and forth. It's a roller coaster right here, folks. Hang on to your ass. <laughs> Let's start with the fact that the lead of the film, the titular Invisible Woman, mm-hmm. is played by Virginia Bruce. Mm-hmm. Now, apparently, she was a last minute substitute for another actress, uh, Margaret Sullivan. Yeah, uh, I'll just uh, I'll quote from mm-hmm. the great Tom Weaver's Universal Horrors book. Mm-hmm. Margaret Sullivan was 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 cast, uh, or they they were try, they were going to cast her in the film, and of course she was just uh, coming off of the uh, Ernest Lubitsch film, uh, The Shop Around the Corner, mm-hmm. which of course came out in 1940 as well. And if you've seen that, you can see how that would be. She really would be a perfect match yeah. for yeah. this particular role because they're very similar types mm-hmm. of roles, uh, although this one's a little sillier to say to say the least. At this point, uh, Miss Sullivan. Uh, owed Universal a picture under her contract. The Invisible Woman might have been the new management's idea of a major release, but for Sullivan, she she saw little glory in appearing in a baggy pants burlesque, especially with more enticing role, roles in the offing from other s- studios. So she very quickly mm-hmm. linked up with uh, director John, Cr- John Cromwell to play the lead in a film called So Ends Our Night, which didn't come out until uh, 1941. Because she jumped into that film, she kind of used the fact that she was already in production somewhere else to uh, get away from having to star in The Invisible Woman, which she saw as uh, basically a much lesser film. Hmm. And I can't really surprise her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when Sullivan failed to report to Universal for The Invisible Woman, she was served with a restraining order preventing her from working elsewhere. And when the legalities were finally ironed out, the actress agreeing to appear in two films for Universal that they would free her to continue to work with uh, Cromwell. And so um, 
She did. And there were both a couple of forgettable films that came out in uh, 41. Mm-hmm. So that's when Virginia Bruce got tapped as her replacement. Now think about this. Um, Virginia Bruce was signed to star in this movie on September 12th, 1940. Mm-hmm. This movie was in the theaters by two days after Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's a fast turn. That's yeah. how quickly they were turning movies out. That yeah. they were, I know. It's amazing. They signed her <laughs> on September 12th. Uh-huh. And the movie is in theaters two days yeah. after Christmas. That's that that man. <laughs> and it's still hit in the same year as the movie before, as in, if, in the movie before it in the franchise, Invisible Man Returns. Yeah. They both both yeah. landed in the same year. The, the Universal was a machine. They were. They were. Now, Virginia Bruce is uh, she's great at this actually. Yeah, actually um, no, yeah, she does a very good job. Uh, even though I mean, as you might expect, she spends a fair amount of the time her her screen time. Invisible, yeah, which means you're just hearing her voice. But I do find it interesting <laughs> that she's uh, among uh, along in her long list of credits. One of the things that she's famous for is that she popularized because she first sang it on screen the Cole Porter song "I've Got You Under My Skin." Oh right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that is, as, soon as, as soon as I learned that, yeah, I just, it is pretty cool. <laughs> I, was just, I was chuckling just a little about the Invisible Woman being yeah. under your skin. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, Nevertheless, mm-hmm. uh, she's quite good in the role. Mm-hmm. Uh, our mad scientist character is played by uh, John Barrymore. The profile, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Whose whose career was, <laughs> was way say? on the downside at this point. Well, I think he only made maybe what two more movies after this. I mean, oh, I, I think remember. it was almost this that. Is, yeah, this is definitely it actually a t- downward, it, downward slide. It actually but. took me a, a while to realize. I mean, to remember that that was him. To realize that that was him when I was watching the movie, yeah. and now it just suddenly realized, like, oh my god, that's right, that's John Barrymore. Uh, probably was not in good shape at that point. Um, no, no. <laughs> I mean, apparently well, he, he in, could. He wasn't in good shape in his yeah. prime. I don't think. But yeah, he was. He he apparently could sober up, you know, yeah. effectively enough to you know not embarrass himself in front of the cameras. But the uh, well, I mean, he's fine as a doddering, yeah. doddering eccentric professor in this. I mean, he does does he, fine. He does a, he does a perfectly yeah. good job in the yeah. the yeah. the really. Uh, I have to say he he's really I mean maybe he's, he, maybe he's 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 smart enough to know what he's doing in that it, it, there are scenes where he's overplaying horribly oh, oh, the yeah, scene yeah. the scene where he's tied up in, in, the, yeah. in the last oh, yeah. third of the film I'm just like my yeah. God you're overplaying this as if some mm. you know someone somewhere was stabbing you in the butt with a needle it's like <laughs> come on Mr Barrymore let's yeah. let's end our career with a little <laughs> little more a little more dignity than this he may have been he may have been feeling that the part. Was I mean that the humor was was lacking in the part and was trying to and trying to somehow elevate it above the the his dialogue maybe I don't know but it maybe was yeah so, maybe so <laughs> anyway I, I love the fact that at one point in the Universal Horrors book uh, Tom Weaver refers to this film as having a Looney Tunes mood mm. and I think he's probably hit it pretty mm. much on the head there mm. film starts off with a pratfall. And continues mm-hmm. their their repeated pratfalls. It's not like it's you know like there's thirty of the damn things, but no. there are enough. There's enough physical comedy within the movie mm-hmm. to never really allow you to settle into the false hope that you're going to be believing anything that you're looking yeah, at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because quite honestly, Charles Ruggles' character should be dead. Yeah, <laughs> at the, <end> of the movie. <laughs> no. the, yeah. the number of uh, falls his yeah. stuntman takes, mm-hmm. uh, and the ongoing. The ongoing physical humor, you know, there are a few moments that, that caught me unawares, but it's more that you're right. Earlier, you said the dialogue, and I think you're right. Yeah. I think the dialogue is 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 the better portion of the comedy in this thing. Yeah, well, again, just this, it seems like all the pratfalls just feel so odd and and badly timed, and just not 
you know, they try some with Shemp Howard, and of course, and it's great seeing Shemp. You know, I always love yeah. seeing Shemp Howard. Yeah. He was my favorite stooge, actually. You know, and uh, and it's great. Now, this is what's interesting is this is this is before he even did his. I mean, before he, you know, the curly, curly, curly Howard passed, or that, that he went and yeah. replaced Curly in, in the Three Stooges shorts. But he was obviously had already been in a lot of films and was known for his comedy, and I guess was already known for his physical comedy because right off the bat they try and give us some some physical pratfalls with 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 Shemp, and they just don't don't work. You know, they're just not funny. You know, no, no, but but in my opinion, Shemp Howard does have my favorite. He is he is the funniest line of the film, in my opinion. That's oh, I well, think another way you're talking about guy. Oh well, it's, yeah, well, yeah, it's the one where it's the one where. Uh, they're they're uh, Shep Howard along with two other guys play uh, henchmen for mm-hmm. a uh, mm-hmm. uh, an expatriate mm-hmm. uh, gangster who's hanging out in Mexico and is is, is in, who, who is intent on finding this this uh, inventor who can make people invisible because he thinks if he was made invisible he can come back home and mm-hmm. and not and not have to stay away because the cops are going to nab him which is already the stupidest fucking <laughs> idea I've ever spewed out of my face but nevertheless we're we're going to roll with it. Mm-hmm. They're on the phone with him, and the the boss down in Mexico starts crying. And Shemp Howard's line is, "Uh oh, the last time the boss cried, we had that triple, we had that triple funeral." Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. And, it, it, yeah. and that that was a good one. Yeah, I liked yeah. it. And and yeah. some of it, you know, some of it is it's a well written line, and some mm. of it is that it's actually well delivered by yeah, Shemp Howard, yeah, who sure. had impeccable yeah. comedic chops. Yeah. So, yeah. what are you going to say other than, "Yeah, yeah, I mm. laughed at that. Mm. I laughed a lot." Mm-hmm. Mrs. Uh, housekeeper! 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 Jackson is the name. I've been with you for 12 years, and the name's still Jackson. Mm. Mr. Jackson, tomorrow I am expecting a gentleman, Mr. K. Carroll. Bring him right in here to me. Don't mention a word of this to anybody. Keep it a dead secret. And see that this mm, is mailed to him at once. And take a very good look at him, because you won't see him again. Okay, this film is uh, a little weird. Let's 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 walk our, walk our way through as best we can this plot synopsis from uh, the Universal Horrors film by Tom Weaver. Okay, Professor Gibbs, who's played by John Barrymore, is a dotty inventor who perfects an invisibility machine, financed by millionaire playboy Dick Russell, who's played by John Howard, who's mm-hmm. pretty darn good in this. He's good. Yeah. Uh, he selects fashion model Kitty Carroll, who's played by Virginia Bruce. To be his first guinea pig, uh, and I love the fact that uh, this is actually a, a bit of humor I like in this movie. Uh, the uh, millionaire playboy Dick Russell has uh, been spending money like uh, he inherited his money, mm-hmm. so he's been spending mm-hmm. money, and you know that's really all he does yeah. spend money. And uh, he's run out of money. At the mm-hmm. beginning of the film, he's informed by his uh, financial advisor, who we never see again. Do yeah, we? I don't. Does he kind of evaporate at, po- at a certain point? I believe so. I don't. Well, no, really I think remember. we see him maybe, one more. Maybe one no, more no, time. we no, we do see him a couple more times because he, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's uh, someone who's being told that uh, all our money problems are going to be over because uh, of this okay, invisibility right, machine. Right. That's right. But uh, he selects fashion model Kelly, Kitty Carroll by putting an, uh, an ad in the newspaper, uh, mm-hmm. and basically what he's what he said to his benefactor is, you know, give me what was it two thousand dollars? Give me two thousand yeah. dollars, and I'll offer the and, and, yeah. and he, without. You know, and I'll offer the two thousand dollars to someone to mm-hmm. to come and be the guinea pig for this mm-hmm. invisibility machine. And as soon as he finds out that he can't get the two thousand dollars <laughs> because the guy's broke, mm-hmm. he just goes and changes the ad to no <laughs> no remuneration. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's <laughs> it. Was to see who shows up. Yeah, right. right. What happens? So uh, the experiment is uh, an unqualified success. Uh, but here's the thing: we should point out that Kitty, uh, it being Virginia Bruce, 
is, is a, uh, a model, mm-hmm. a dress model in mm-hmm. a local uh, department store. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, and this is back when, uh, you know, they had, you know, people employed in <laughs> department stores to show up by wear, by wearing dresses to show them off mm-hmm. to uh, the wealthy patrons. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a taste of what her job is like. She has a, re- a rather, uh, mm-hmm. let's just call it her boss an asshole. Well, it's Charles Lane. What else could he be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Charles Lane, another character actor uh, who, yeah. is, you know, he, he really was built to play louses and assholes. <laughs> he truly was. Mm-hmm. I think he had uh, 370 credits, I think, uh, to, to in the IMDb list, and uh, he lived to be 102. <laughs> uh, and, but but if there was anybody you needed as a go to asshole, it was Charles, Charles Lane because <laughs> he could do it well. He could totally do it. Uh, but uh, uh, and, uh, we we get a taste of just how poorly mm. she's treated by the the wealthy patrons of the place, and mm. and uh, she's really you know quite quite ready to chuck this job, and so she uh, takes this uh, experiment as a chance to. Uh, if it really works, if she, she, she has she has her own ideas about what to do if she's being been made invisible. Mm. Now, at first, the movie gives th- th- this is a this is one of those moments where I was a little disappointed because I'm figuring, hey, we're an Invisible Man movie. Mm. If she, you know, mm. has got her own set of plans about what she wants to do, if this thing will actually make her invisible. I thought, man, yeah, vengeance is mine, saith the lady. Right? <laughs> but that is not the way this goes, unfortunately. Yeah, well, I mean, it's well to it's, a degree, but yeah, but not actually. But I, I'm, I actually found myself at times kind of thinking, man, I almost wish it would have gone with that story rather than the one that we got, as far as like her and, and Charles Lane and all that, and going yeah. off in that direction more than than because it kind of that story sort of ended earlier than really I, quicker than I thought it was going to. I, yeah, but I see, seeing her. And of course, this, I guess this is just not the film that Universal was ever really going to make in the 1940s. Mm. But her as some kind of invisible female Avenger. Oh, you mean uh, like slowly going insane, like like we've seen in the two y- movies yeah, before? Yeah, you, you could go that way. But before she gets there, in other words, her intentions being mm. kind of dubious to begin with. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, you know, her mm-hmm. her her intentions. You know, she puts on this this happy face to the mm-hmm. inventor, and as soon as she's invisible, mm-hmm. she's you know, of course, the in this case, the invisibility has a has a has a a time limit. So after a certain mm. period of time, she becomes visible again. But if the thing was going to be, mm. I, if my thought was, <clears throat> if this is going to turn her invisible and then they have to put her back through the machine to make her visible again, mm. if she decides to stay invisible for a protracted period of time and yeah. then uses that time to, you know, vengeful effect. <clears throat> right. That could be mm. one hell of an interesting film because yeah. my thought immediately goes to where yours went, which mm-hmm. was, oh, well, she starts out, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, kicking her boss's you know, yeah. ass around yeah. and um, uh, set, setting a few, you know, irritants in her light, mm-hmm. in her life to mm-hmm. write. And then as this time goes on, she becomes more it's and more, more unhinged. Yeah, and suddenly, yeah. suddenly we have this vengeful naked female woman running around the city <laughs> murdering scumbag assholes who you know you know slighted her in some way and yeah. i just you know see her creeping into rich ladies houses and and ripping up all their clothing and thinking that this is going to be where as far as she's going to go and then yeah. being confronted by one of these women and being disgusted by them the mm. wealth they have and the jewelry they're wearing yeah. Yeah. and going crazy and murdering her mm. see i'm already positing a film that i want to see <laughs> yeah. but that was not going to get made in 1940 no afraid not afraid not so we don't get that movie, and Rodney Rodney cries just a little bit. <laughs> we little, should little tears. <laughs> well, we should we should uh, point out that uh, 
somewhere among these, well, uh, a couple of actresses of note among the, uh, I guess, the models or oh, yeah. and the rich patrons, I guess, that comes in. Uh, Ann Nagel, for one, who we've seen right. already in an earlier film uh, that we did, which I think was maybe the, uh, was the Invisible Man Returns that she was in, or... And Nagel was in Black Friday. That's right. And also, uh, Maria Montez is, is, is lurking somewhere there among the, the cast of cast of models. One of her earliest films. Decent little career there. Vandenson. Oh, yeah. Miss Montez. Okay, okay. I know who you're talking about. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Cobra Woman. Yes. And mm-hmm. uh, Arabian Nights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. South of Tahiti. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I want to see that. Right? Yeah. Sounds steamy. Well, her scenes in uh, Pardon My Sarong must have been steamy because they got deleted. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, so, there, once again, you know, being a universal film and made in 1940, there are some very interesting places and some talent that mm-hmm. is just mm-hmm. hiding at the edges of the screen at times as well. Mm-hmm. Um, although, I gotta say, which young woman is it that keeps saying, I have a cold in my head? I think that's Ann Nagel, isn't it? Is that Ann Nagel? That's Ann Nagel. Oh, God, because I couldn't look at her face after the third time she said it because I just wanted to smack her. Uh, I, just, I, I just say, wanted, so you would have agreed with say, you. Were... I just wanted to say out loud, just say I have a cold. <laughs> just say I have a cold. Just say I have a cold. So you are in Mr. You don't have a cold. Yeah. There's not possible to have a cold in your toe. <laughs> we know that you have a cold. We can hear how you're speaking. So I have a cold in my head. Shut mm. up. I want you dead. So sorry. So you would have been like Charles Lane. You would have fired her for having a, <laughs> for saying that for having the cold in her head. Uh, I wouldn't have fired her for having the cold. I would have fired her for saying that phrase like at least four times. Uh, uh, I'm not the best audience for a comedy people. I'm willing to admit that. I really, I'm, I'm willing to admit it. I'm up front. <laughs> I, I generally hate human beings and humanity, yeah. and you know, yeah. and so it's it's not good. I don't like mm. to laugh. Mm. Uh, I hate I hate laughter. <laughs> <laughs> I can maintain that. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Professor Gibbs, please. Who shall I say is calling? Miss Crowley. I mean, uh, Miss Carroll. I came to add, I mean, I came in answer to an ad. Would you tell Professor Crowley, I mean, Professor Gibbs, that I'm here? Uh, Step in. There's a person outside, Professor, to see you about your ad. Good. Send him in. It's a her. Uh, You mean skirts and things? Mm, Skirts and things. Mrs. Jackson, you're letting me down. I can't possibly perform my experiment unless the subject doesn't wear it. Hasn't any, is, is you know, in the, uh, in the altogether, as it were. Uh, what am I going to do? Well, how should I know? Dear, dear, I can't afford to lose her. I mean, I might never find another. I have it, you tell her. Tell her what? About the uh, disrobing. Uh, tell her it's purely in the interest of science. You know, uh, uh, we can put her behind the screen and nothing could be more proper. And of course, during the experiment, you'll stay right here. Well, I don't know as I want to see folks get invisible. Might give me a turn. It's her or you, Mrs. Jackson. Take your choice. You are either victim or chaperone. All right, all right, I'll tell her. Well, Professor Gibbs' little experiment on Kitty is completely successful. Uh, but Kitty, you know, like we say, had plans of her own. So mm-hmm. wasting no time, she uh, slips away, totally nude, goes through the city, and uh, gives her miserly slave-driving boss, Mr. Growley, that's the guy played by Charles Lane, mm-hmm. a well-deserved comeuppance. Mm-hmm. While Professor Gibbs and the invisible Kitty pay a visit to Dick's Lodge because... 
Okay, let me explain because the phrase "Dick's Lodge." Okay, we, yeah, that's we need just to back that, up. That's, where you, that's, that's not, all kinds uh, of wrong there. So it's just uh, the English language and the the changing mores. Of, <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> of the twentieth century. Let's explain. <laughs> Remember, it's the rich guy. Yeah. Who financed the the invisibility mm-hmm. machine? His name is Dick. Yes. And he's wealthy, so of course he has a hunting and fishing lodge. Yes. And so what it is is <laughs> there was an attempt to prove to the multimillionaire benefactor that the experiment was a success, mm-hmm. but Kitty had run away to go mm-hmm. and kick her boss's ass. Right. And then while she was gone is when the professor <clears throat> tried to explain things or show, quote unquote, <laughs> mm. show things, show the invisible woman to yes. his multimillionaire benefactor, Dick. And Even it didn't work out. Wrong. Even that <laughs> sounded wrong. You're right. I stopped myself. You're right. It sounded all of this. All of this sounds wrong. And I, for that, for that people, I apologize. Here, let me use the word fuck to make it all sound better. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, so the so Dick goes off to his hunting lodge. He ta- mm. I love the fact that he takes his butler with him everywhere yeah, he goes. Yes, right. Yeah, <laughs> played by Charles Ruggles. Charles Ruggles is 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 a blast. I was trying to figure mm. out where I'd first seen mm. Charles Ruggles uh, because he was only in about a hundred thousand movies. Yeah, exactly. And I think I may have seen him first in Murders in the Zoo because, of course, I'm a horror film nut. If right. you've never seen Murders in the <clears> Zoo <throat> from I think 1935, check that film out. <laughs> it's mm. worth your time. It's a it's a weird one. I think Universal. I think Universal has the rights to it, but I think it was made by Paramount. Mm, but yeah, and uh, it was directed by the same guy who directed this film, uh, and it also has Charles Ruggles in it. So there's your connections back to Murders mm-hmm. in the Zoo. Mm-hmm. But Murders in the Zoo has uh, one of the most amazing opening scenes of any horror film mm-hmm. from the 30s, and mm-hmm. I mean of any horror film from mm-hmm. the 30s. Now it never it never tops that opening sequence, but. Uh, uh, you need to see it. <laughs> I need to. I've always wanted to. And I'm not. Oh, you've never to. seen no, it. No, I've not seen it. I've always heard. Oh, I've not seen it, but it's, oh. it's, it's one I want to though. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how easy mm. Murders in the Zoo is mm. to see, but uh, it's, probably, it's it probably on YouTube. Yeah, I will hunt it up. So check it out. <clears throat> okay. So at any rate, so once Kitty comes back, the professor's like, professor's upset, and he's like, mm. "Okay, well, look, mm. we have to go to where Dick is to show him or not show him you because you're invisible." Mm-hmm. So. They they go up there to show Dick that they they've had success with this the, mm. the experiment, and he is really surprised by that. He's like he's completely shocked, and he's but he's thrilled. Mm-hmm. But then of course, being you know Playboy, yeah. <laughs> Playboy millionaire, he's like, so uh, is this invisible woman? Is she hot? Yeah, <laughs> As, I mean that's his, I'm just going to short yeah, form it. That's right. essentially that's what insane. he's doing. That's the whole what he's time. interested he's like, in. Yeah. So is she ugly? Uh, <laughs> what I want to fuck her? Help me out here. <laughs> give, give me a hint here, professor. Um, and at the same time, uh, at the same time, Blackie Cole, who is the gangster on the lam down in Mexico, right, sends his battery of dim-witted thugs after the scientist's invention because he's read about this yeah. invention in the newspapers and has decided that this is his ticket home. He can make himself invisible, mm-hmm. and the and those dastardly scumbag cops mm-hmm. will never be able to put him in jail. Mm-hmm. Yes, people, we mm-hmm. are in a cartoon. Yes. Yeah. This is this is as much a cartoon as Rocky Four. I swear <laughs> to God. <sighs> anyway, well, the gang, uh, mm. uh, re, uh, the, the, they so they what uh, they go there. Mm. They try to fool uh, the professor into thinking that they're actually mm. other scientists, and they want to they want to talk to him and get him mm. to you know collaborate with this other fictional scientist, and that didn't work out. Right, and I. I 
we've we've left out uh, Margaret Hamilton. I know. I was just thinking that oh, we, we, we need, need to mention. Margaret yes, Hamilton. another yes, great. Well, the maid that the multimillionaire has, he's got a butler, Charles Ruggles, and a maid, <clears throat> played by Margaret Hamilton. <clears throat> That's right. <laughs> the Wicked Witch herself. The Wicked Witch of the West <clears throat> from The Wizard of Oz, just the year before, <clears throat> is now... She's actually she's actually a blast in this. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I would have. She's, she's again. Good. I wish I would have. I wanted to see more of her actually in this because she's always so much fun, you know. But it's yeah. great seeing her and John Barrymore on the screen there together. And you know, yeah, I love when she surprises the three thugs. Is that she screams, but at the same time she grabs a chair and just whacks the hell out I know, of them. She know? just like, starts wailing on them. <laughs> yeah. like, that's actually that actually made me laugh. That was one yeah, of the laughs that, I got out of you know. That's one of the moments in the movie where I was really entertained. I'm yeah, like, holy yeah. shit, she's just wailing on this dude. So. um so they they decide to hell with it. They'll just steal the machine, mm. you know, disassemble it, and then take it to Mexico and reassemble it. Mm. And the, the 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 gangster boss has got some guy down there who's pretty convinced that he'll be able to put this thing back together again, and they'll be okay, and he'll be able to turn invisible. Turns out that reassembling the apparatus at the hideaway is uh, isn't really working out. The fumbling fools can't get it to work, and their scientist is pretty sure that there's something mm. <laughs> something missing here. Right. Uh, and of course, what it turns out, what we've seen all along during the process is that before you go into the machine, the the professor has to inject you with a yeah. serum, yeah. and then it's those two things together that make you invisible. Mm-hmm. It's just like the 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 the, the Captain America formula. Yeah, you have right. to get the yeah. injection, mm-hmm. and then you go in the tube, and then they you get you get mm-hmm. irradiated, and it's all good. Mm-hmm. So it's essentially you know it's a super <laughs> it's a super, super, super soldier, soldier. Yeah. Yeah, super soldier formula, and it's just invisibility. Mm-hmm. It's a different thing, but mm-hmm. around that time, that's just mm-hmm. how shit worked. That's right. If you couldn't explain something, put it into a hypodermic and everybody will accept it. And it's <laughs> okay. Believe it. Yeah. <laughs> Here, I'm injecting uh, yeah. this miraculous fluid into your yeah. veins. Yeah. Therefore, whatever I tell you is about to happen will happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the gang kidnaps the now invisible kitty because, of course, this invisibility machinery gives her. It eventually wears off. Mm-hmm. The The mm-hmm. process can be made to last for several hours mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Then, it, then it'll wear off. Well, the gang kidnaps Kitty and Professor Gibbs. Uh, and uh, Dick realizes what's going on and follows hot on hot on their trail. Kitty, who has learned that alcohol will restore her visibility because she gets a little bit tipsy and starts to become visible, mm-hmm. uh, much to uh, much to Dick's rather mm-hmm. enthusiastic yeah. pleasure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, she manages to sneak a drink and, with Dick's help, overpowers her abductors. So uh, that that kind of like I say. They need a lot of plot yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty threadbare. The runtime is 70 minutes. And there are times when it's padded, even feels padded at that. It does feel padded know? at that yeah. length. Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, I mean, <laughs> the the whole gangster subplot is a is a big padding situation yeah. to begin with. It doesn't, it serves no purpose other than to have the mm-hmm. characters running around and doing things and to have some kind of antagonist. Mm-hmm. But like I said, my preferred... I, I, my preferred thing would is would have been if the woman had been the antagonist and was using the invisibility mm-hmm, for her mm-hmm, own evil mm-hmm, ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not that's not the film we get. We've got mm-hmm. a light comedy here that, in the end, turns out to be a bit of a romantic comedy because, of course, our our millionaire yeah. playboy can't keep himself from uh, gandering his way at the invisible woman, even though he can't see her. Yeah, and and uh, they go through the usual thing of being in you know. Yeah, not liking each other at first, and yeah, you know, and you can see all that coming. It's all the it's, it's all the meat cute crap that you would expect <laughs> exactly. from a film of this type. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then there's you know, the, uh, there's a, a postscript that Tom Weaver describes as clever, and I'm going to let him get away with that. Uh, a clever postscript shows us the characters a year or two later, 
Now married, Dick and Kitty are fawning over their newborn son when the tot begins to fade away. Uh, Professor Gibbs suspiciously eyes the kids rubbing alcohol and knowingly concludes, hereditary. Mm-hmm. Now, I wasn't as amused by that final scene as I'm sure a lot of other people were. I found a lot mm-hmm. of stuff mm-hmm. uh, in the movie to be uh, dreadfully unfunny. Me too. But, um, you know, and, and just some things that just could have been funnier than, or I mean, should have been funnier than they, they yeah, were. Like, for, yeah. here's an example is uh, there's a, a little bit of a comic gag thing going on with the the two of the gangsters, well, the the main leader of the trio, whose name is Foghorn, yeah, goes into the machine, and you know we've we've let the professor has let slip at some point anyway that if you use it without the formula, some really crazy things could happen. So the joke is that his name's Foghorn, and it gives him a high voice. Yeah, that could have been funny. It's not because not- <laughs> because the voice he uses, all he does is the actor just. Pitches, pitches his voice, his voice <coughs> higher. And it's not funny. No. They should have just dubbed in another voice, and that actually could have maybe been comic. You know, if they just dubbed in a really, really high-pitched or a woman's voice or something. I agree, yeah. You know, they do it again. You know, later his boss, the same thing happens to him, too. Again, it's just it could have been funny. It's not because they just they don't give him the voices that could have been funny, and they don't. Right. You know, and another problem I had, too, uh, an example of the padding and just something that goes nowhere is when the professor takes Kitty to the lodge you know, to yeah. to show, you know, he comes up with this whole thing that he doesn't he doesn't want the butler to know about her. He doesn't want her to be revealed until until they actually get see Dick, you know, see right. you know, and, 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 and John Howard's character and and so they go through they waste all this time with this, this comic kind of contrivance about trying not to let the butler, you know, know that she's there, you know, and it's it's just it goes on too long and there's no real reason for it, you know, and it's not amusing. It's those kind of things that are it's a that, silly it's a silly <clears throat> bit of business that really has no purpose or mm. other than just to mm. they're, they're I know they're trying to find an amusing mm-hmm. way to advance the story. Yeah. This this little bit of right. this little bit of the story they're trying to advance right. it in an amusing way, but it just mm-hmm. feels like padding. It feels like mm-hmm. oh, we need an extra couple of two minutes, you know, a couple of three yeah. minutes here, and this is how we'll extend this whole mm-hmm. sequence of going to the lodge mm-hmm. and getting you know and getting him to understand that you no, know, here she is, right here. We'll go through that, and it's just it's a little irritating. Um, I found myself equal parts irritated and equal parts. Amused, I would guess, mm-hmm. because I wasn't. I don't find the. It's not. Don't get me wrong. I don't mm-hmm. find the film offensive or, or you know, or the kind of thing that you know oh, no, puts no. me on edge. It's just. No, no. It, it's it's very light. It's easy yeah. to take. It's a. It's it's an okay watch. It's not the kind of thing that. Um, I, I have no idea why the hell I would ever watch this movie again. That's same here. I felt that way too. Now, another big selling point of these films, of course, were the the special effects, the invisibility special effects by John Fulton. You know, did and all those amazing effects through Universal Films. But he, they're fine in this film. I didn't think, oh, yeah. there's, but there's nothing really new added to. You know, like the Invisible Man had great effects, and then the Invisible Man Returns had some new things that they did with it that yeah. you're kind of like, wow, that's pretty impressive. There weren't really any moments in this. I mean, it's all fine. It looks, it's all well, well done. I mean, it got an but Oscar, the, it got an Oscar yeah, nomination. Yeah, for it. and they're good. I mean, they're good, but there wasn't really. I didn't feel like it raised the bar anymore with anything that we hadn't really. I didn't think that we hadn't well, really seen same, before. It's, it's the same year, so I guess. <clears> yeah, really, so I mean, there wasn't. Like, the only, yeah. I mean, the, the only thing they could have really done is have, have come up with maybe some mm-hmm. uh, some more interesting ways in which to use 
the technical effects mm. that they already had nailed mm. down. Right. You know, so it's not, you know, there were you know there was a no, there were a number of years yeah. difference between the first and the second film, so the the techniques had gotten yeah. perceptibly better. I mean, you know, well, well and and and, my, and I didn't mean that to sound necessarily as a criticism of the film, other than oh, to well, say yeah. that it's not going to draw you. It's not a reason to see the film. In other yeah. words, to see. Oh, they you know let's see something we haven't seen before. I, I, you know, no pun intended with it, but you know what I mean. <laughs> with the uh, with, okay, with, with, with taking it to another there, bar, yeah. but just like okay, you know. So there's not even that to draw to recommend it. I guess is what I'm saying. Um, I do want to point out the thing that I do think I like the most about the film, and it's 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 not really something that elevates the film a huge amount in my eyes. But I did like the fact that you know they established Kitty early on as as kind of a a you know, free spirit, independent yeah. woman that she's looking for adventure, you know, looking for something beyond her, her, her job. And it was common for films, uh, for female characters, unfortunately, throughout the 40s and 50s of Hollywood, you know, to eventually, you know, throughout those films to at some point have them come around to, you know, being a respectable woman again or, you know, or, or, you know losing <laughs> in that. A, in other words, by getting married. Yes, exactly. We saw it and it continued on, you know, we saw it. there's a lot of times when you, you know, I have to make you cringe sometimes when you, how bad they were, especially in some 50 science fiction films where the whole like woman <laughs> scientist at the end by like, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be a real woman and have a baby instead of, you know, get married, have a baby instead of pursue science. You've shown me the errors of my ways, Mr. Mr. Rock jawed military man, you know, whatever, you know, that kind of thing. And I was afraid that's where this film was going. And yeah, sure. The last scene, you know, is it flashes forward a couple of years, and you know, and they, she's, they, and she's, yeah, and but she's you know, but the they've fallen in love. They've had, you know, that then they've had a kid and all this. But there's never what I thought impressed me about this film is that the film always seems to be kind of it doesn't punish her character for that. In other words, it always seems to kind no, of be on her side, and you never get the sense that she really her character changes because even the fact that she whatever you know meets meets her love and falls in love and has a kid and all that that's fine. You never get a, it. Never makes some kind of point out of we've made a real woman out of you or something like that. Well, and no, what I also liked too, yeah. just going further with that, what I really liked was the fact that when we get the whole climax where the gang gets its comeuppance and she escapes, yeah. she does all of that. And that was something that surprised me too, because again, a lot of films of this type of, or the type where when we've even seen like jungle girl films where the jungle girl who's lived her whole life in the jungle has to still get rescued by the, by the, by the, by the, by the white man. Yeah. Who's now, who's new to the jungle, but by God, he's a male. So. And so I kept thinking, that John Howard's character was going to end up being the one that was going to rescue her. And oh, and he's day. not. Yeah. He's not. And in fact, she even makes him think that he does because she even at the last, after she's done away with all the, the gangsters, she lets him think yeah. that, that he's rescued her, you know, even though, but she actually is the one that controls that whole climax. And I thought that that's actually kind of nice, unexpected. And I, unexpected. I appreciate that about the film, you know, because that, I mean, well, let, let's just say that, I mean, this, the, 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 the plot of this film from Kitty's point of view really is kind of a, um, mm. It's it's a kind of rags to riches thing. Yeah, it's the kind yeah. of the it's kind of a simplistic. Mm-hmm. It's what they did a billion times in Hollywood. It's the Cinderella story told in a different way. That's her plot. Yeah, her arc as a character mm-hmm. is you know this this woman who hasn't got very much money and whose prospects are not mm-hmm. that great and whose mm-hmm. job sucks. Mm-hmm. Cinderella. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who yeah. you know by the end of the film has gotten married to a rich guy. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So that, that that that's essentially that's what her story is. Yeah. But within the prospect of that, we we made jokes the last, mm. when we when we announced that this would be the next film we were covering was mm. there you know there's going to mm. be you know plenty of 1940s style sexism yeah. and yeah. let's be honest yes there oh, is of course absolutely yeah lot. this is yeah I'm not saying this is a feminist some sort of no, you know no, feminist no, film I'm just not, saying that no. it makes me appreciate even more you know the fact that it doesn't go as badly as I thought it was yeah. going to that it actually still lets her be. A, a character who's is resourceful 
And right. you know, and, and again, she you actually know, is, yeah. besides just being the title title mm-hmm. character of the film for, you know, shits mm-hmm. and giggles, yeah. she's actually the hero of the story. Right. She yeah. actually there, there, is that's the hero you said the it there. Yeah. That's what you said. That's what impressed that's what I appreciate which, at least. Which was unexpected yeah. in my book as well, because yeah. she's not uh, uh although Virginia Bruce's the, the character is written as and Virginia Bruce plays her as mm-hmm. a as you say, independent minded mm-hmm. woman who mm-hmm. certainly has her mm-hmm. own ideas about what she wants and what she'll accept yeah. and what yeah. she'll do. Mm-hmm. But the surprise really is that she's kind of given a certain amount of leeway within the structure of the story to be the hero. She is the hero. And that's, I, I, my memories of this film were so incredibly dim that I didn't remember any details about it at all. Uh And so, you know, as the movie trucked along, I thought, you know, yeah, yeah, we're going to get down to that. We're going to get down to the end of this. And, uh, my guess was that you know the gangsters come up and was going to come in some comical fashion where Charles Ruggles tripped tripped, uh, yeah. tripped down the stairs and bashed one of them <laughs> yeah, in the right, head right, and, then, yeah. and then Dick shot one in the face or you <laughs> yeah. know whatever who the hell knows or maybe one of them went through the invisibility mm. ray and was turned into a hideous tentacled monster I don't know <laughs> yeah, who the hell knows yeah. <laughs> this film anything could happen anything yeah. it doesn't make it it doesn't matter because the details are are mm. there to just be yeah. funny supposedly right but. Yeah, you're right. It is a bit of a surprise that she is, she's the prime mover of the of the climax of the story, which is a little strange, mm-hmm. at least for the 1940s. How much farther is it? Well, I hope the professor hasn't shown them how to use the machine. Well, as soon as he does, Blackie will bump both of them off. That is, unless the professor talks Blackie to death first. <laughs> so you see, the entire principle is a combination of chemical, biological, and dynamic influences. Cut the stalling. For an hour, you've been using big words. Yes, Professor, for the love of my, cut out the stalling. I want to go home. You'll both go home on a slab if this guy don't come through. I want to be invisible. I don't blame you. It would be a decided improvement. <clears throat> now, Professor, you either play ball with us or we get wrapped with the lady. Play ball? I was never any good at game. Oh, you know what I mean. Come clean about how that machine works. Make me invisible. Before we wrap up our discussion of the Invisible Woman, there's one one little moment in the movie that um, I guess you could call a comedic bit, but to be honest, it's really just an insanely good stunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about the the various pratfalls in the yeah. film, yeah, uh, and uh, most of them are pretty straightforward. I mean, they're yeah. all difficult because these are all I'm real sure, yeah. physical pratfalls being done yeah. by uh, being done by either an actor or a stuntman. Mm-hmm. Generally, a stuntman, and one that is. Definitely done by a stuntman was the uh, stunt where we have a guy dive into a fish pond um, mm-hmm. right there on screen in just this one shot. He's yes, off a little balcony right. yeah. into this really shallow fish pond. Yeah. That thing was, uh, and, and the actor John, uh, the actor uh, John Howard recalled this is a quote from him. He was mm-hmm. really incredibly impressed by that. He watched it get filmed, and it's like one stunt that blew my mind was when the stuntman dove into the fish pond, which was actually a fish pond. <laughs> the thing was only about three feet deep. Wow. He says, I used to do a lot of shallow diving, but I wouldn't have done that one for love of money. Yeah, man. And uh, Weaver makes note that the stuntman, it looks like it might have been Dave Sharp, who hmm. was a you know was a pretty hmm. short guy. Yeah. And uh, it, may, it may have been Dave Sharp. I don't know. There's definitely no... Yeah, record. I, I, can find, sure. I can't yeah. find any record. And if Tom yeah. Weaver couldn't find a record so that he could... Tell <laughs> it doesn't that, exist. That he yeah, could, yeah that he could, <laughs> so he could definitively say it was Dave yeah. Sharp. Who the hell knows? But when watching that, 
<laughs> oh, watching that yeah. scene, it's just like, holy shit. <laughs> that guy really dove into that freaking thing. That's in one big shot. Yeah. Oh, my God. So that, um, I, 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 I guess I laughed at that. Mm. I was more amazed. Yeah. I mean, it is funny looking. Yeah. But it's such an incredible stunt that I'm just, I'm just more mm. just shocked. <laughs> you get, I mean, yeah. just shocked. You gotta give props to the yeah to the yeah. To, yeah. You see Man, something that that's yeah. that's impressive stunt work. That was really good. And the, you know, like the the Pratt Falls are actually physically very well done. Yeah, the yeah, movie, they're fun. But yeah. that's the one that mm. stood out yeah. as like incredible. Mm. So, mm. although we're calling this our series on '40s Universal Horror, I think we will agree that this <laughs> wasn't exactly a horror movie. No, no, no. We were just sort of obligated. I mean, you know, it's got invisible in the title, so yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's pretty much it's you know. And well, we never did say it. Part of one of the writers was Kurt Seldomak, so I guess you know. Well, that, and several know. others. I mean, yeah, you know, there's quite a lot of other writers. So I who think, knows how much Kurt actually? I don't know how much Seldomak <clears throat> yeah. actually existed in this yeah. screenplay. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. Um, I do find it interesting. I, well, let's let's say this. One thing <clears throat> I want to say before we get <clears throat> um, too far away from discussing this film is that I'm a little surprised that there, there, unless you found something within it, I couldn't find anything linking this back to the Griffin family that's part of the first two films. I, this is a totally separate tale of invisibility. This, mm-hmm. this Professor Gibbs has nothing to do with the previous two uh, uh, films' storylines. This is mm-hmm. a completely separate thing. Oh, I agree. No, this, I, didn't, this, I don't this think there's any connection yeah, to the first no two mo- films. There's no monocane. There's no, mm. you know, none of, the, none of the things that we know from the first two films seem right. to have any. There's no connective no. tissue between these movies. No, none whatsoever that I could that I could catch. Now, I want to ask you, what is the last, what is the name of the last film in this series? Uh, Invisible Agent. Invisible Agent. That's the last one. Yeah. What is, what is the other then that I'm trying to, because there's five all together, right? Oh, uh, well, there's, the, well, there's just the uh, Abbott Costello meet the Invisible Man. Okay, I thought there was still one more in this is besides there? Invisible Agent. I thought I was trying to remember if it was Son of Invisible or Invisible or oh, something, God, but no, but, but yeah, I can't remember what it is. So no, no, no. There's no. I mean, I didn't if, think it was. Well, if, there is, if there is, I'm going to be very happy because I already own it because I bought the Blu-ray. Anyway, okay, yeah. Well, they're all on the Blu-ray for sure. But uh, I thought that there were. I thought there were five in the in the whole no. series altogether. Wait, you're right. There's the Invisible Man's Revenge. That's what it is. Okay, so, okay, okay. So, so I was just trying to. Okay, okay. Well, I thought that there was. Yeah, but but no. Okay. There's nothing. So there's Invisible nothing to tie this to the 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 first two films. No, we can no, assume no. there's nothing that ties it to the next. Oh films. no no no. Now see if I remember correctly. Oh, is there a connection? Uh, Invisible Agent. I do believe the the family name Griffin does return. Uh, oh, so okay. <clears throat> See, I didn't know if any of them took the idea of the sun at the end of this one and turned it into and, and carried it over into later films. But you're saying that no, no, no. I, I do believe this is the only one that doesn't have a, a mm. some kind of connection to the Griffin family. I know that Invisible Agent, uh, it's like the grandson, okay, of, okay, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, but <clears throat> Invisible Man's Revenge. You know, here's a weird one. I don't know that I've seen Invisible Man's Revenge because I completely forgotten that it exists. Well, I, I haven't seen it or Invisible Agent. I haven't seen one of them. So. But I see. I remember enjoying. <clears throat> I remember enjoying Invisible Agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, I can't remember Invisible Man's Revenge at all. This is exci- mm. exciting. Maybe I never saw it. Yeah, yeah, maybe in ten years when we get to it, well, you can you can finally <laughs> finally see it. <laughs> oh, that's, that's don't say that. Don't say it's going to take that long. But this this does bring me though to one more thing I wanted to say. Not really about this film, but just I thought it was amusing was uh, uh, when we were when you were posting, I guess, or something. I believe you put it out on there on Facebook that we were that this was the next film we were yeah. going to be doing, or maybe it was when you posted our episode on Invisible Man Returns. But I know that our astute film. 
colleagues, you know, uh, in their comments. I don't remember which one it was, but somebody pointed out that there's the same number of mummy films as there are Invisible Man films, and uh, in the series five in each series. Yeah, and that got me thinking. You know, I was thinking, man, this is going to be fun to use it as a contest between the Invisible Man and mummy films, so that I can keep. (laughs) Going in your face, you know, about how the Invisible Man films are better than the Mummy films. <coughs> Unfortunately, this one is not going to be one of the strong. No, no going back to the first two, you know, the Invisible Man and the Mummy is such a hard, oh, hard cl- because they're both so awesome. I yeah. probably would have to give the nod to the Invisible Man, but not by much. They are so awesome both. You I know, believe. as much as I absolutely love the mm. Karloff Mummy, mm. uh, I love that film. I think it is phenomenal, but. You may be right. Invisible Man may actually be a little bit better. Yeah, it's a real tough yeah. cut. And now the next two you'd put up against each other would be The Invisible Man Returns and The Mummy's Hand. And Mummy's Hand wins. I gotta go with The Invisible Man Returns. You're uh, so wrong. I gotta go with that. You're Not, so you know. painfully wrong. <laughs> I think it's... I don't want to have to stab you. I will stab you now, if I'm forced to. Now, round three, and it's going to be, God, at our pace, probably be a couple of years before we get to the next Mummy's film. <laughs> Mummy's, no, it won't now, be that long. I do think yeah. the Mummy's Tomb will probably beat this film. I'm guessing, but man, uh, it would have to. It would Come have to. On. <laughs> I mean, but that's it. That's the contest we're going to have. Though, is we're going to go. Even though our next Mummy yeah. film has a lot of of, of footage used in, yeah, in it's, Mummy's it's, Hand, yeah, yeah. it's still pretty darn interesting, mm-hmm. and it's got enough. It's got like several returning actors. Yeah, yeah. These are, these are people you like to watch, and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, but, but no, you're, you're it's, it's no. It's I, I feel fairly confident it's going to beat the Invisible <laughs> Invisible Woman. I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure oh, of that. God, <laughs> Mummy's Hand beats Invisible Man's Returns. I'm telling you, it's just <laughs> people, people. I want your opinions too. Which is a better film, yeah. the Mummy's Hand? Or the Invisible Man, the Invisible Man returns. Now, there's 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 a right answer here. This is not, <laughs> and you know what it is, and uh, <laughs> and you don't have to see it to know it. That's my hint. Uh, that's, that's, my hint. That's, uh, I know. That's this bad. is. I'm gonna throw things at you. <laughs> I will. I will do so. Now, anyway, I give Invisible Woman a five. That's my. That's my. I okay. give it a five because yeah. I can't. I don't hate the film. It's breezy enough, you know. Um, but I can't imagine myself any reason to go back to watch it and. Unless they ask us to do an audio commentary on it or something. <laughs> or something and, and weird, unless yeah. that happens, I can't imagine any reason I would. So, yes, yeah, someone throws money at us and says, no, <laughs> yeah. I want a 70 minute commentary track on this particular Universal Horror film, and yeah. here are the people that do it. <laughs> no, there's got to be. You call Tom Weaver. So. Uh, okay, yeah. I, I was torn between, honestly, a five and a four. Yeah, yeah. And I, I ended up giving it a four because <clears throat> even <throat> a film that. And I know this is this sounds bizarre to put it in these terms, but there are films that I think of as only a five that have enough points of interest for me to actually actually think that I'll watch that, that again. again I can point. see that mm-hmm. again. I would yeah. I might want to see that again. Mm-hmm. But when you get into four territory, yeah, nah. eh, probably not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I had to give it a four. I I I don't hate it. Yeah. But I don't like it much. Mm-hmm. And uh, which is very strange when you think about. I, 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 one of the neater things is to read what the critics said about this movie yeah. back in its own time when it came mm-hmm. out. Things like uh, uh, because everyone concerned with the Invisible Woman apparently uh, had so much fun taking Daffy direction from Eddie Sutherland, who's at his best on unconventional cinema, 
The Rialto's audience had a good time too. It's a mighty merry movie and it won't do anybody any harm to chuckle along with it as a respite from the worries of the world. Of course, the goofy comedy climaxes in a happy ending and even the fade out is a gag. A cute one too. It's giggle fair that satisfies. That's from the New York Post in January mm. of 41. And I'm like, okay, so I, yeah. I they were looking for uh, mm-hmm. something to take their mind off the state of the world. Sure. And maybe yeah. that's, yeah. there you go. What, what, what can I say about that? Mm-hmm. But... Looking at it, yeah, <laughs> many decades later, when we need stuff to take our mind off the state of the world, and it just didn't quite, quite yeah, this, do it for it's us. Not, it's, it's not, it's not doing it for me. So yeah. you know, more power to everyone who enjoys this film. Yeah, yeah, uh, and you know, if if you feel that we uh, we don't enjoy this film enough, or like I say, if you just want to toss in your opinion of this film or yeah, some detail, some detail that you wish we had uh, pontificated upon. Uh, let us know. Yeah. Write to us at thebloodypit at gmail.com or join us over on the Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. But uh, I think we'll leave the discussion of that there for right now. We'll take a, a slight break, a, 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 mm-hmm. a, a little pause. Mm-hmm. We'll take a little pause, mm-hmm. and then we'll come back and we'll talk about uh, what uh, Troy and I have got planned for the next couple of podcasts. Remember, the end of the year is coming up. A rocket ship to unexplored planets captured by unknown powers. Yog, monster from space. You are powerless against me. An irresistible, terrorizing monster. ourselves into the giant crab of the jungle turtle. Monsters never before seen. Unconquerable, the unbelievable. Yog, monster from space. It's like a radio thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, folks. Before we uh, when we talk about the, the next couple of shows coming up, we do have actually a piece of email. Uh, someone uh, sat down and wrote us out a missive, and uh, I'm going to read it out here, and we're going to discuss it. This is from Matthew. I'm not going to use last names here. Uh, this is a fellow to protect to protect to protect the college professor. Let's put it that way. I'm not going to not going to rat him out online here, but. <clears throat> He says, Rod and friends, 
that's that's you. You're not plural or anything, but you're, you're as close as I'm going to get right now. I says, this email has been a long time coming. As you well know, I am I'm a long-time listener of both this podcast and the NashiCast. After many years of silence, save for the occasional Facebook commentary, I figured I would shoot you guys a quick email. First of all, great work on the recent output. Loved the episode that you and Adrian Smith did on Lady Frankenstein. Enjoying the ongoing Antonio Margariti and Coffin Joe series, and starting to immerse myself in your more recent retrospective of the 1940s Universal output. Just wrapped up listening to the Mummy's Hand episode. Bloody well done. You and Troy made some very solid points on the importance of the Kairos films on the development of cinematic mummy lore. Again, I am really glad you chaps are embarking on this on this series. The overall quality of the 40s Universal stuff is all over the place. Some legit classics, The Wolfman, etc., and some really goofy stuff. Uh, I'll pause here to say, <laughs> yes, tonight, yeah. goofy stuff. <laughs> okay, back to, back to Matthew's uh, email. He says, uh, But these films are absurdly important in terms of the impact they had on a whole generation of transitional monster kids. These films tended to make up the bulk of Universal films that appeared on the early TV syndication packages and formed the core of the American genre entries that were primed for international export after World War II. Can't wait for your eventual episode on The Son of Dracula. Love that film. So bloody underrated. Uh, I'm going to agree with him on that. For no, not, to, not to... Spoil anything. But yeah. He says, uh, straight up, vampire noir meets Tennessee Williams' Southern Gothic. <laughs> yes, the casting of Cheney is flawed. No way his corn-fed Miss Western ass is a Central <laughs> European nobleman. <laughs> but his portrayal of the character is really the first example of a physical screen Dracula. I mean, Cheney is is big, imposing dude. One-handed chokeholds and throwing dudes around. Kind of like Christopher Lee before Christopher Lee. Also, Louis Albrighton... Al Louise Albritton, I'm going to mispronounce, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing her name. Uh, Louise Albritton is amazing. Steals the damn show. Yeah, her character is the uh, standout character in Son of Dracula. That's, uh, she's she's kind of amazing. She's she's a, she's a woman with her own, her own uh, agenda. I like it. He says, uh, anyway, a real quick question. When are we getting some Zardoz? I know this has been in the works for a bit, but when, we, when can we expect that episode? Okay, I'll pause here and say that uh, Randy Fox and I have definitely, uh, we've, we've, we've started walking down that path. And I would say that uh, it will be happening soon. I, I'm sad to say I don't think it's going to happen in this calendar year, but probably early next. Uh, time has just gotten away from us. Uh, Randy uh, has spent a good deal of his time this year writing a book which is, uh, I think, uh, about, uh, almost, I think it's actually out. Uh, I think his book is actually out. And when, uh, so when he, uh, when he buy, uh, when he, uh, when he has enough time, we're going to sit down and finally do Zardoz. And uh, as long as he can uh, keep his uh, schedule fairly clear, we're going to try to uh, slide back into doing a couple of more uh, science fiction films from the 70s next year. But Zardoz is on the, is on the plan it's just not one that we've been able to get to because uh, Randy has been extraordinarily busy. It's happening, though. Don't worry. Okay, back to Matthew's email. He says, finally, a small warning uh, slash public service announcement. Oh, okay. Um, 
He wrote this before Halloween, people, so keep this in mind. The highest of high holidays approaches. Many a movie will be watched. Pumpkins carved. Monster cereal eaten. And a goodly amount of beer drank. Probably Halloween or genre-themed beers, if you are anything like myself. I write to you today to warn you, my friend. If you happen to come across a Lithuanian beer called Werewolf, stay away. (laughs) Don't buy it. Don't drink it. I was waiting for him to say, don't use it as a car as a car preventative. Don't use it to power small engines. No. Uh, he says, this stuff be bad. <laughs> the name is great. The packaging is neat. But the beer is bloody wretched. <laughs> These are just my thoughts and observations. <laughs> he says, the look of the beer is that it pours a golden yellow color with a large head leaving a nice lacing. Smell. Sweet malt grain and corn and alcohol in capital letters. <laughs> the taste, alcohol, <laughs> sugar, malts, grains, sweet grains, corn. This is really bad. Mouthfeel, medium high carbonation, watery body. Overall, do not drink this. <laughs> Stay away from the werewolf, dude. Stay away. Um, Thank you for warning me away yeah, from really Lithuanian beers. Yes. Uh, I don't know. Is it is it all Lithuanian beers that I should be fearful of, or just the werewolf? You, you need to you need to to, to to help me out here. So he says. Uh, anyway, hope all is well down Nashville. Uh, hope the uh, Halloween Oktoberfest season is treating you well. Dasvidanya. So thank you, Matthew. That was uh, cool. a, a, little, a little a little beer uh, beer news or beer <laughs> a beer review, I should say, to be more accurate. Yeah, when he said it pours a golden yellow, I was like, yeah, well, something else does that too. And it's not, you know, <laughs> it also has a frothy. Yeah, it has well. a frothy. Yeah. So, uh, but if you put it in a hypodermic, though, will it do anything? Will it that you want only, to say it's going to? <laughs> only if they they put you in that big coffin shaped thing they put Steve Rogers in. <laughs> yeah, that's they right. will help you out. Get that super secret super soldier formula going, and then boom. <laughs> well, yes, Matthew, our uh, our uh, Halloween season was joyous as always, uh, but as always went by way too. Way too yeah, quickly. Yeah. Way too quickly. Thirty-one days is just not enough. Not absolutely not enough. <laughs> I feel like it's usually like have it's already like midway of the month before I'm actually seem to be able to first start doing any, yeah, you know, enjoying yeah. or doing anything, you know, Halloween related, you know, so. Well, you uh, kind of, you kind of trip yourself up by having two bands. This is true. This know, is true. So. It does not help. I do not help my call, my calls. <laughs> <laughs> I should tell my bands, you know, hey, sorry, you know, go off and play in your other 20 bands, you know, or write your own, write some songs, do something, leave me alone for a month, you know, but. Uh, <laughs> but you will never do so, sir. I will not. I will not. The sweet, sweet joy of the. <laughs> The patter of applause and the, the two yeah, or th- patter the, is right. The two or three coppers that you earn. I'm like a sad addict. <laughs> please love my please, please, please love, love my, my music. Please. please love my music and love me. <laughs> he's, he's sadly out there groping for coins and I groupies. Am, I, and, am. <laughs> I guess I'm hoping there's more groupies than coins. Yes. I'm telling you. No, no. They, if I'd gotten into the music for groupies, I would have quit years and years ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay folks well once again be like matthew write us a letter let mm-hmm. us know your thoughts yes yes whether on universal horror films <clears throat> or any other weird ass thing we cover or things that we don't cover i don't care give us give us give us your ideas give us your thoughts but most of all repudiate troy's ridiculous assumption about <laughs> mummy movies that must be done now to uh to point to the future, mm-hmm. uh, next month is, of course, December. Yeah. And so we might point out that uh, it will be time once again for us to uh, do our annual thing. That mm-hmm. would be me, Troy, and Mr. John Hudson. Yes. We're going to sit down and do another 
Holiday Horror. Holiday Horrors. And this year, we're doing... Christmas Evil. Christmas Evil, a film I consider to be an absolute classic. I think, is it from 1980? Am I, I wrong? Think I think it's 1980. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm sad that I don't have that to my to my little fingertips. Yeah, but Christmas Evil is a movie that... Uh, I really do. If we're if we're introducing this film to you, I feel mm-hmm. bad for you, but good for us because we get mm-hmm. to introduce you to a mm-hmm. film that I think is going to warp your wittle mind. Mm-hmm. Cool. It is. Remember, at all times, folks, Christmas Evil is John Waters' favorite Christmas movie. That's right. That's that should tell you something. <laughs> yes, it should. <laughs> Actually, that should probably tell you many things. <laughs> yeah. As in, do I want to see this film or not? Mm. This should be your. This should, this should clue you in. So. Next month, uh, we will be sitting down. We're going to discuss Christmas Evil, mm-hmm. and that will be fun. Yes, definitely. Looking forward to that. And when Troy and I sit down for our next 1940s universal horror film, going into 1941. We made it to 1941. We made it the first year. One year down. Nine, only, nine to go. <laughs> when did we start this? <laughs> yeah. Back in March or April. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember anymore. <laughs> but we're finally advancing into 1940, and we're starting off with... A doozy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first film out of the out of the gate is Man Made Monster. So yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, we're gonna get uh, we're gonna get our first Lon Chaney Jr. film. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to talk a little bit about him, his career, and uh, this little scene, Universal horror film, um, came out the same year as the movie that kind of made him a star. You know, The Wolfman came out mm-hmm. uh, several mm-hmm. months later. Mm-hmm. But uh, next time out, we're going to talk about Man Made Monster. And uh, if you've not seen it before, we recommend it. It's one of those nice, sharp, uh, short uh, Universal horror films. It's got some really interesting ideas, and it plays um, it plays plays well. I think it I think it really travels well over the mm-hmm. decades. I think this is one that stands the test of time. So. Oh man, and of course it's another one of those that's still. It's, who knows when this one's going to be on Blu-ray? Who, I know. Who the hell knows? I know. I know. I'm sitting there <sighs> thinking, like, where am I going to see this film at? How, how is it? How, oh, it's it's been it's it been on, released on DVD. It is on the DVD. I may even say I may even have it. Was it on a collection or was it on a? Because I may even have the collection and and just forgot that it's what it's on. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was made available as part of that uh, Universal mm-hmm. Horror set that right. also includes. Uh, Night Monster and Horror Island mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. 1941 version of the Black Cat. Yeah. Uh, it's a cheap thing out there. You can find it on Amazon for well under $15 for mm-hmm. all five of those. I think there's at least five films in that set. Mm-hmm. And that's where you'll find Man-Made Monster. And, uh, you know, honestly, Man-Made Monster is uh, worth it all on its own. Mm-hmm. And you can buy a Blu-ray of just... I mean, I'm sorry, not a Blu-ray, but just a DVD of it on its own. But, man, it's yeah, less, get money, it's less money to yeah, get that set, get all to, get stuff, all, yeah. to get all five of those movies from, like... Can, yeah, get it, and you can play along with us. Here. Exactly, because that set's going to happen. Yeah. Because I can tell... We'll go ahead and say that the, the movie after Man-Made Monster is Horror Island, and it's mm. on that set, too, so... Yeah. Yes, that's fun time. Those mm-hmm. are good things. So, uh, next month, we'll we'll talk Christmas Evil, and uh, uh, soon after that, maybe January, I'm not yeah, sure yeah, exactly yeah. what our schedule is going to be, but we will go back into the Universal Horror output, and it will be Man-Made Monster with Lon Chaney Jr. So, thank you once again for listening to the show. Thank mm-hmm. you for uh, checking this out. Thank you for uh, yes. uh, any comments that you want to send our way. We're always glad to hear from you. And uh, I guess we will talk to you again soon. My name is Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. Be good, folks.
She's coming.